And you don't stop. <laughs> and I can't stop, and I won't stop. Oh, it's Ocho from Ocho the Owl Radio. Ooh, ooh, Taking ooh. over Diva Raven's podcast. Mm. What's up? What is happening? Long time no talk. <laughs> yeah. I know this you miss right. me. It's our third conversation of the morning. That's just how we roll. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I have a lot of energy. <laughs> Get up early, meditate, do my japa, all the things. So I'm ready at 7 a.m. and I'm like, I've already what? done like 20 things. What's japa? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. That's when I use my mala. It's like my morning little meditative prayer. So right. I go around my mala one time, Om Namah Shivaya. 108 times and then I go back to <laughs> you know I wake up in the morning doing my japa <laughs> what's that <laughs> my people she, my people she is the real deal do not do not get it twisted real deal <laughs> right here folks true story real deal that's it enough said Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you mm-hmm. yes so this morning in the morning my people we are here with dr e and she has uh politely uh, requisitioned the owl to do a impromptu interview which i am more than happy to do and I first have to get my <laughs> headphones. Handy dandy notebook. My handy schnandy dandy headphones, which I do adore. In the meantime, E, if you would be uh, so uh, so generous to give the people a context of your story up to this point. Please. I don't know how long this recording can go for. Like, no, it's... it's um, can go for days. Oh, well. Good. I have to break it up. Um, yeah. just, uh, just give, just overview. give people. Yeah, you know what's the, uh, you know what's what's the uh, the the superhero's uh, origin story, as it were. You know, here the heroine story. Yeah. Well, I feel like I fit really well into that archetype of wounded healer. I don't really like that archetypal name, but. That's where it is. So I grew up in Michigan in Grand Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, hey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we had bagels every day. So I grew up there. And when I was about six, was diagnosed with a really rare eye disease called familio exudated vitro retinopathy, Mm. a.k.a. fever. And started having surgeries and so I have had to date over 30 surgeries been under anesthesia like 45 times so that was a big part of my childhood was being stuck kind of in that mechanistic medical western model um and feeling trapped and traumatized by it and at the same time my mom went through breast cancer treatment three times and ended up dying all I lost a lot of my eyesight and my mom when I was 14 and it's like the big time of like rites of passage and everything so that's intense that was intense um 
and I I did all that. Went off to Montana for undergrad. Mm. Mm. I was just barely turned eighteen, and um, ended up double majoring in environmental studies and political science, and mostly focusing on environmental justice in Latin America. Mm. Mm. Um, thought I was going to be an environmental attorney. Took the LSAT. Halfway mm. through, was like this sucks. I don't want to do that. Right. Um, and then right when I had graduated, I was 21 and was still like, I'll go to law school or I'll get my master's in international relations, something, who knows. I wanted to work for a think tank at that point. Sure. But I went back to Michigan, had my 30th surgery, and it did not go Lord. according to plan. So I woke up, lost almost the rest of my sight in my left eye. Mm. And then couldn't do anything. And mm. it was like in, uh, in a lot of physical pain. And it was emotionally exhausting. It was like spiritually like dead. Mm. And heard a commercial for a medical massage program. Like, literally heard it on my parents' TV and thought I would do that to make money for whatever I did in graduate school. Cause I always knew I'd go to graduate school or professional school, something. Sure. And uh, three weeks into massage school, I like loved it. I had never taken any anatomy classes before. I had sure. a BA, not a BS. And so I didn't know this stuff, but it made so much sense to me. And I just, I got it really quickly. And so I said to my dad, like, thanks for paying for this, for my undergrad. I'm going to go in a different direction. Mm. He was thrilled. He actually was actually pretty supportive. And I took all my science classes, chemistry and physics. I took them all verbally, did all mental math for all my chemistry equations. Mm. Went to Cairo school four years. Hmm. Yeah. I just did a lot, lots of school, and then became a yoga teacher, and now I'm getting my PhD. Mm. That's the shortest version possible. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but you left so much out. Wow. I, you know you know what? I've, I, how long have we known each other? For like a couple of years now, right? Like four or five years. The, the more, like there's, there, like, uh, uh, what? what you're layered you no know, like you you keep throwing in like details that i didn't know even though like i think in my mind you know it's like oh, i know it pretty well <laughs> huh what a what a world <laughs> so e i would i got the uh the tribe of mentors questions here there's 11 of them mm, and of uh they are they are tremendously insightful as they are taken from of course tim ferris's a tribe of mentors, uh, epitome. It's, uh, oof, it's, it's, uh, mm. it's quite a piece of literature. Anyway, are you ready? I believe I am. Excellent. Number ready. one. Yes. <laughs> what is the book slash books you've given most as a gift and why, or what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? I'm going to answer both of those questions yes please <laughs> so the book i most often give away is actually a local santa barbara author and one of my community partners her name is barbara hanalore and it's called huh. the moon and you and it's about women's moon cycles and getting them in sync with 
usually bleeding on the new moon is most traditional in most lineages and cultures. Sure. Um, but she works with women on their moon cycles and is launching some programs now into like menopause for, and just like really supportive within those circles for, for women. And so I've given out, I don't know, probably 25 plus copies of this book and not only to women, like I, I, I gave them to my sisters. I given them to patients that really needed it. I have one in my waiting area, but I've also taken it to big conferences and given it to like Hay House authors, and I've just kind of uh-huh. like spread it because <laughs> I think oh. it's a really important thing that we've gotten away from in our culture and society of having women um, in circle, in community, in collaboration, mm. and being in, in touch with nature because we are nature. And so mm. I want to promote that. Um, and then the other part was books that have influenced me mm-hmm. would be anything by James Hillman. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with him. Amazing, amazing depth psychologist, archetypal psychologist. Um, so I read a lot of depth psychology, <laughs> but most yeah. recently it was not a Hillman book uh, that's been a huge influence. It's called Return to the Feminine and the World's Soul. Um, Ellen Lou Von Lee, and it's just so poetic and uh, just full of metaphor and simile and myth that I, I really adore. Mm, Hillman, Hillman, Hillman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excellent. What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or in recent memory? Oh gosh. I don't even know. Mm. That's kind of a hard question. We could we could come back to it if you like. I I yeah, I I want to like take like a little sacred pause and like breathe into it and see what I see. Okay. Okay, okay. okay. So we'll go to uh let's see here. How has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours? <laughs> I feel like every day. God damn it. <laughs> it's great. No, it's good. Failing failing's great. Um I I definitely felt like I failed myself for for a long time with mm. this eye disease, even though that's not fully in my control. I mean, my soul made this contract to have the disease and I, I engaged and honored that wisdom. But uh, I, when I, going back to that moment, when I was taking the LSAT and I had been doing really well on the prelim exams, like up in the 90 plus percentile. And then I just, I did terrible on the actual LSAT and I'm a really good test taker. I was raised by educators and <laughs> I had extra homework before and after school and math homework mm. in the summers and like, I, I can take a test. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> I knew that it wasn't what I was supposed to do. And so when I look back, I'm like, wow, I really like set myself up to fail on the LSAT because I did not want to go to law school. Mm. And I remember touring law schools after that, just being like, this is so sterile. I was really losing myself. Like I, I wasn't dressing in my normal jam band hippiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was a huge failure. But it was, I, I see the grand plan here. Of, I was absolutely not meant to be a lawyer. I'm so mm. much happier doing what I do. Mm. Love it. 
If you could have a giant billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message to millions or billions, mm. yeah. what would it say and why? It could be a few words or a paragraph. Well, I, <laughs> this is so controversial. I would want it, it to be just about having choice around vaccinations mm. and providing actual facts from really reputable mainstream sources like Johns Hopkins just being mm-hmm. like hey like here's some ingredients um and so it's not gonna be anti-vaccination because you know you can do what you want to do with your children or yourself yep but just to actually have the facts because there's so much people don't mm-hmm. know and that really upsets me that the parents aren't provided with all the information they need and they're just doing the best they can based on what they have and know and is given to them but Mm -hmm. a lot of it is withheld and um i would love to inform the masses and just have it be like a more neutral topic because it is so controversial and activating for a lot of people so what would it say something like uh your natural vac your standard vaccine contains whatever aluminum or something or... yeah or like thimerosal and kidney monkey kidneys <laughs> mm. yeah or just even the simple message of like you you don't have to give this triple dose like you have the right to a single dose which is way less preservatives because they're not pulling it out of a vat with all the other people so like the flu vaccination if you're required and you don't want to wear a mask at work or if you have that kind of workplace environment like a hospital mm. um you can get a single dose and it's going to be less toxic. And so I'm, I'm not making any like sweeping claims of what the vaccinations can lead to. It's just simply like, if we're so concerned, like what we're putting on our body, in our body, we also need to consider what we're injecting into the body. Hmm. Or it could say something like, did you know your children's blood brain barrier doesn't close until the age of seven? so did you know they don't have an immune system until they're three months and you know like they're getting their immunity from breast milk and you don't need to give them a hepatitis b shot the day they're born so just think about it just think about it just (laughs) open your brain here we go people okay (laughs) (laughs) oh boy rising here Mm. don't growl continue of course they do. Uh, what is the, <laughs> what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? It could be an investment of money, time, energy, etc. I I really feel that it's buying the harmonium last year. Right. I didn't have. I really. I like didn't have any money, and so it was like that plus like playing for paying for a kirtan training, which. <laughs> I was just like, I, I don't even have the money to pay for this. Like I was, you know, I was dissolving my last business. I was just starting another one. I was new in my PhD program and I'm like, I'm going to buy this instrument and do this really expensive training. And like, I don't really have money to do that. But I talked to the teacher and I, I paid it the last weekend of the training and it felt really good that I did that. And that completely changed my life. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I remember that. Yes, it's very synchronistic of mm-hmm. not med- premeditated by me and the conscious, definitely the unconscious. Through mm. huh. uh, 
but 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 what is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love <laughs> that I have that you love? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Where do we even start? I'm so confused. But like that, I love. Like, is it something that I do that I love, or like one of my habits? Yeah, or, or, or uh, the question is, uh, what is an absurd or unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Oh, gotcha. Okay, that was just, I don't know. I don't like how it was worded. Um, <laughs> I was just telling this to Will yesterday that I, mm. when I brush my hair, I have to be standing on carpet, <laughs> not a tile or wood floor. I don't know why it's such a weird habit. <laughs> <laughs> and then the really like ridiculous thing that I love is like I, re- I really like green astringent bananas. I don't like them to be ripe, I mean, especially if they have any spots. Like we're done. They might as well be banana bread. They're done to me. Huh. So I really like green bananas. <laughs> huh. I have no idea. Well. <laughs> Ah, right. In the past, That's in the last, there. in the last five years, uh, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? One hundred percent. So easy. Yoga, specifically bhakti yoga. Mm. It, was, it was. Oh my god. Yeah, it's been five years since I was introduced to it. Mm. And I always did a lot of sports and was a swimmer and rower. And then getting into yoga really changed my life. Um, but I was introduced to yoga through through bhakti from the beginning. And I've tried other lineages and mm-hmm. I take all sorts of classes. But I'm always pulled back to bhakti. And I love the kirtan aspect of it mm-hmm. and the devotion and the surrender and the open heart. Um and it's given so much to me and fed my soul in this really beautiful way. Um, and it influences pretty much every aspect of my life. Mm. Huh. What advice would you give to a smart, driven college student about to enter the real world? And what advice should they ignore? They should ignore most advice, except for mine. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Obviously. Um, I would say one of the biggest things is, you know, don't ever be afraid to fail. Mm. I mean, going back to that question, like, my first business dissolving, I felt like such a failure. And that was a really stressful time in my life where I'm like, I've worked so hard and it's been like eight or nine months since it dissolved officially. I'm so much happier now, but it was super hard. And that was part of the underworld journey and like eating the pomegranate and being stuck down there Mm. in the underworld. And then you come back to the overworld and really enjoy it. So don't be afraid to fail. And when you get into that, and if you look at it as like the four directions or the four shields, that's like the underworld can be seen as like the West and the sh- or the shadow and getting into the depths of it. So the other thing you want to remember is an overstimulated West would be like getting you know, in this perpetual cycle of depression. Um, so it's like always, I'm always about finding balance. Um, 
but don't be afraid to go in there and and into your conscious and unconscious and do that work and be guided by some sort of therapist or coach um somebody qualified because that's Mm. that's a hard place to be in but it is the most rewarding and that is where the gold is and just uh really really powerful experiences can happen in those shadowy places don't be afraid to fail no huh My goodness. So we are on question. Oh, question nine already. Ooh. What are bad? <laughs> what are bad recommendations you hear in your profession or area of expertise? Well, as a chiropractor, there's a lot of chiropractors stuck in this very masculine, competitive um, patriarchy of just. Uh, capitalism and consumption Mm. a lot of words there in that sentence (laughs) and really what that boils down to is obviously money and Mm -hmm. high patient volume and I understand being in the flow as a chiropractor and I love doing block scheduling where it's like this is the time I'll see new patients and do exams but then this time over here is where I'm going to see patients every x number of minutes and you get in a flow and it changes your adjusting because you're connecting through universal intelligence with their in your innate and their innate intelligence are connecting. And you, it's just really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I don't ascribe to just rock and stack like boom, 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 boom all day. Um, I, I really want to be in a more divine feminine shakti paradigm and that doesn't come from a place of competition it does not come from rage nor anger it comes from the soul and connection and collaboration mm-hmm. so it's really being like authentic in your practice so if it really truly in your heart is authentic for you to see a thousand patients a week great i don't mm. think that's the case for most people mm-hmm. um and so when I see that in my profession, it's really can be kind of heartbreaking, especially as these like young doctors come into profession are swallowed alive by these uh, being an associate doctor, overworked, underpaid, and taught this model that doesn't really serve them and it breaks down their body and their soul and their psyche and everything in a really pejorative, like just really negative way. Mm. So I think that within chiropractic, Mm -hmm. a lot of healing body work type professions like really remember like you're using your hands and that's a deep connection and more importantly during those moments Mm. is your intention through that connection and being mindful and present with your patient or client practice member whatever you call them um and not looking them at them as dollar bills, but as like another spirit and soul that you're connecting with and facilitating, mm-hmm. advocating for their health. You're not curing anything mm-hmm. at all, ever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very, uh, yeah, very, very on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no at to? <laughs> Uh, distractions, invitations, etc. And what new realizations and or approaches have helped? I say no to most people that try to get me to like market 
like they're they're telling me oh you need to do this and do that because i mm. a lot of that's just a huge waste of money and mm. i did waste some of that money when i started my first practice and those were really difficult lessons mm-hmm. so now it's like okay well send me an email i want out all the information possible mm. because sure. most of the time they won't even do that and that tells right. me a lot right. um so i definitely say no to a lot of that and like mln companies like i don't want to be involved in that mm. um so it's like that's how I can hold my boundary in terms of respect and dignity mm-hmm. within my profession and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that can be really difficult because you can be seduced in by dollar signs so easily in this world. And especially as like a young practitioner of whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. just new novice within your profession can seem really alluring mm-hmm. to go down those rabbit holes. So really, do your research, talk to other people that are doing those things before mm-hmm. you commit. Cause it, a lot of times it's money up front and that's mm-hmm. just a pink to red flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you give me $500 now. Yeah. <laughs> your return on investment is going to be like, um, how do you calculate ROI? And if they can't tell me that, I'm like, we're done. So. <laughs> my goodness let me let me just say like at my first practice they tried they wanted us to advertise on like the little flappy part of where the kid will sit in the shopping cart why and and so this guy's long sale like just loquacious annoying sales person. I, i'm just like i but i don't shop there and this is like a like a West Coast chain, like a pretty well-known store. And I'm like, I, I don't go there. And he's like, well, where do you shop? And I'm like, well, the farmer's market mainly mm. and local, local mm. uh, stores, like local organic stores. And he's like, well, we have local foods from around the world. And I'm like, so <laughs> that first of all, that you could say that about anything. second, you don't understand what I mean by <clears throat> local because if, you, if that's your definition, then everything's local because it's from Earth, potentially. I guess you know, even if it's made in a lab, it's from Earth. So it's so off base. And so the other thing with that is like be congruent, like have your core values that you stick to your purpose statement and you really ask yourself, am I getting closer or further away from this purpose? Hmm. So what you ended up telling? So what you end up telling them? Hell no. <laughs> no, keep it. Yeah, I don't need to advertise where a child is going to sit in a shopping cart. That's ridiculous. My goodness. My goodness gracious. Yeah. When was the last time you looked in a shopping cart was like, oh, I should totally go there. Oh, look at this chiropractor service. Hold on. (laughs) Move over, Junior. Yeah, exactly. Little Tommy, get get your ass out of the way. Right. Advertise. Excellent. So... Last question, E. We got when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? If helpful, what questions do you ask yourself? I really like to go in and essentially hold myself like a newborn and ask myself, what do you need right now? Mm. And there's really simple things I often need where it's just like, wow, you you have not had water today. Mm. Like, no wonder you feel really terrible. Mm. Um, or like, have you had vegetables? Like, you should get a salad. Um, exercise, do some yoga, meditate, sing, write. Um, go to the beach and walk. It's mm. often really simple things. 
Mm-hmm. And I just somehow missed because I get so busy. And it's within those things I'll start. And you don't stop. Apparently I do because if a call comes in, it messes up my anchor recording. <laughs> and I'm like a little nervous that like. Don't quit. Delete it. <laughs> no, yeah. no. So what that was, my people, we're going to. She got a call. We're going to reconnect. Well, this should be seamless as you hear it. We were wrapping up with the final question. When you feel overwhelmed and unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do or what questions do you ask yourself in your response? Yeah, was... yeah I, was, I was saying, like, I really, I was going in and asking myself questions and having that. Jung calls it active imagination. Mm. And so that the inner dialogue that some people are like, are shame, like, oh, I shouldn't be talking to myself. It's like, no, like you have these archetypes that live that are, they're super alive in our world. That's why they're universal, mm. multiversal, probably. Mm-hmm. But we see them across the millennia, culture, symbols, images, archetypes. And so dialoguing with those, because we all have a couple of, images archetypes that are with us mm-hmm. um and so having the dialogue with them within yourself you know mm-hmm. what do you what do you need right now mm. and that will get me usually back on track like mm. really simple things for me like taking a shower or going to the ocean just i'm i have a lot of water in my chart mm. and i my main sports were water sports all growing up so i'm like oh. that's where i feel most connected so i'll do that and that can usually get me back on track um or some really intense exercise, really hardcore vinyasa, kickboxing, mm. working out with my trainer, something mm. like that can get me refocused and completely shift my attitude and mm. everything. Um, so that those are the really, I mean, they're easy things to do. Yeah. And then a lot of times if I'm feeling like stressed or whatever's happening, frustration, mm. my thing I like to do is like, I just call it take massive action. Mm. So I'm like, what do I want to do? Like, my priorities are my PhD, so school, art, mm. which comes in the form of poetry, just all sorts of writing, painting, music, mm. and my practice. So I need to like get back on track and do something really hardcore. Mm. And I was struggling with something the last few days. Mm. So yesterday, Ocho helped me Ooh. get a bunch of new music. Like we, we recorded new music that I wrote. Yeah, we did. Which is awesome and available on this podcast starting mm-hmm. at episode 12, mm-hmm. Rock and Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing things like that, which make me feel good. Like, oh, I've, I've, I'm putting this content out and I'm putting myself out there and it's okay if I fail, but like I'm doing something that really feeds my soul and it's part of my cultivate, inspire, creative courage. And I need to be stepping toward that, not away from it. So whatever was distracting me, I need to take a breath and then keep moving forward. And massive action really helps me. Because Gandhi says, intention without action, massive action, my words, is delusion. Mm. Sure is. Yeah. Damn. And one final question. Yeah. That is not on the list, but it oh, is. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Complete this sentence. Raven Elizabeth, mm-hmm. 
is the type of person that... Is that the full sentence? <laughs> no, complete it, silly. I know that. I'm asking like Yeah, that. well, that's... <laughs> yes. Raven Elizabeth is a type of person that... <laughs> yes. Will always give from a heart of service and uh, mm. do anything she can for other people. Mm. That is excellent. Thank you. That is excellent. All right, my oh. people, that was the first of many interviews with the one and only Raven Elizabeth. We are working towards getting her a TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. There's so many people saying that to me right now. It's crazy. I would love that. She's, I think she, my she, dissertation she, work will be there. She's shy about it, of course, but, but <laughs> down in her heart of hearts, <laughs> I, 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 like many others, can tell that uh, that's, that's her uh, inevitable uh, <laughs> destiny. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, um, uh, is, is is there anything else, my dearest? You know, I didn't answer that one question, and I'm still ah, thinking yes, about yes, it. Yes, 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 yes. I'm like, gosh, like, I want it to be something, like, really awesome. Like, I feel like people, like, mm. oh, I, I'm like, I really love my yoga mats, and I really love my mala, like, my yeah. rose quartz one. But, like, I don't feel like that's it, and I feel like... Okay. You know, it's just having canvas and paints, even just really simple acrylics, like that doesn't cost very much. And that okay. really helps me. And I'll often paint with like leaves and sticks in my hands. Mm. <laughs> so I, I'm, I think that that's what it is. Like that that's really grounding and authentic for me to do and just have that expression. Mm. Doesn't take much. That's when you're, like, really feeling connected. Like, you can be connected to your inner child, but not, like, be, have, like, Peter Pan syndrome. So it's like, oh, man, I'm going to go paint and finger paint and just, like, let it all flow out of my hands. And that's, sure. that's a sweet place to be. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Thanks for the interview. It's been fun. Mm, yes, indeed. And my people, we are just getting, we haven't even started. We're just getting warmed up. All right, my people. So on behalf of the one and only diva, Raven Elizabeth, I am Ocho the Owl. Yeah. Namaste. <laughs> Peace. Peace.